AM Caffeine Show. AM Caffeine Show. It's your boy DOC. Damn, my mic is low. It's your boy DOC. Smooth D and uh, DJ Young Free, the official, unofficial DJ of the AM Caffeine Morning Show crew. No Portia <laughs> Coleman, but you know, Portia Coleman, uh, my co host, she doesn't usually stay around uh, on Wednesdays, especially when we have legendary guests in the building. And today, man, let me tell you, it's no different. Rap royalty, dog. Rap royalty. So let's get into it. When you talk about influential rap groups, and you talk about groups that have paved the way um, and helped lay the foundation for rap music, there's no way that you can talk about groups and not mention the damn ghetto boys like this you just you cannot talk about lyrical substance talk about um storytelling you know uh the type of music the ghetto boys did like they gave you a visual you could as they rapped you could visualize what they were saying it was more than just um braggadocious rhymes it was it was it had substance and it made you think mm-hmm. and it was like a movie when the ghetto boys um did what they did well today let me tell you dude the one and only gosh dang and anytime i was afraid of willie d like when willie d <laughs> stopped rapping i'd be scared like <laughs> willie d sounds mad as hell yeah man the one and only legendary Willie yeah. Dean, the damn building from the Ghetto Boys. Yeah. Willie D, what brings you to LA, man? Man, just out here working, man. You know, I'm putting my hand in this little Hollywood thing. Uh, I've been taking some meetings. Right. Yeah, you know, like one thing about it, you know, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm moving around out here, but you know, like I'm if, if it's such thing as. You know, being true to yourself and and still being solid the way I've always been, just know that I ain't gonna be on no sucker shit. Right. <laughs> you know, you gonna let, let that be known now. Let it be known. Off the top. I think the people that taking me taking my meetings, they already know. Know that. what that is, and they respect that. And you know, people that really know me, they know that I'm about business. Like I've been a businessman for a very long time. Right. But you know, sometimes people just get caught up caught up in the music. And they think that I'm one dimensional, right? And and so you know they they a lot of times people are afraid of me, like you know right. just like listen to me, oh shit, I don't want <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that guy, I don't want no problems. <laughs> but but they don't they don't understand, man. I'm a family man, you know. I'm I'm really deeply rooted in the community. I'm I speak at prisons, universities, alternative schools, detention centers that many. Season orators will not Where go, I go to. to. Right, they will not go there. Right, and I go there. Right, when I walk into the building, they be like, everybody like surprised. You right, know? like the directors are surprised. Like, damn, you actually, he actually showed up. I actually came, you know. <laughs> right, so that kind of stuff, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the business circuit. You know, around around you know Houston, especially mostly in Houston, but. I'm on that business circle big time and that, and that circuit big time and people know me in, in those regards. Right. Yeah. Um, and as we're talking about, you know, talking about business and separating, you know, what you did musically um, and, be, and, and becoming a businessman or maybe you were the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you at the, at, let's just say when Maybe when you left the Ghetto Boys and you were doing your solo your solo thing, did you still have the did you still have the passion to continue to rap? Or were you, you know, trying to transition to doing more business or were you kind of just doing it at the same time? You know, really the politics a bit of, of the music industry is really what propelled me into business. Mm-hmm. Because at first, I was strictly about being the best rapper that I could be and playing my role as a ghetto boy to bring 
attention to rap a lot of records. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, Houston and then the South in general. I wanted to make sure that people knew that we, we wasn't just consumers. We had something to say for real. Right. And I wanted to tell, I wanted to do my part. I just get in my lane and do my part. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to be like anybody. I didn't want to be like Jade. I didn't want to be like Brad. I didn't want to be like Bill. Nobody. You know, it's like, finna, this is Willie D. Right. And I'm finna be the coldest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it come to keeping it real and putting right. it down. And... You know, sometimes I kept it too real because if somebody owed me money, <laughs> you know, I, I went and got it. Right, you know, right, like, I right. Was, I, you know, I, wasn't, I was serious about my money. As you should. Yeah. yeah you know, so, I, like, it, I, I couldn't draw the line between celebrity and my personal life. You know, like, a lot of times when people see you on some type of celebrity level or whatever, they immediately think that they can take advantage of you right. and treat you a certain kind of way and be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And they don't know, like, I'll come to their house for real. <laughs> like, I'll send people to their house, you know? Like, <laughs> I will show up on... I will show up at that show you at. Like, you think you safe. Yeah. I'll show up there, take you off that stage in front of your audience uh, right there and get yeah. you. Right. Right there. And with your bodyguards, with didn't you, care, didn't care with about your bodyguards, too. Right. Like, Damn. I got something for them, too. <laughs> like, I would get everybody, you know? Like, that's how, you know, because I'm not disrespectful at all. Like, right. Like, I, I truly do respect people. Like, it doesn't matter if, if you're the biggest gangster in town or you're a little baby. You know, I respect you. Out the gate, off right. the rip, because I want my respect. Absolutely. And I know it's going to be trouble if I don't get it. Right. So... I'm not going to give you a reason to be disrespectful to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Yeah. You know, and that's why all of these years you never heard nobody getting on no record saying nothing. Nothing, nothing crazy. You never hear me saying crazy stuff. You right. Know, about my peers, you know, because I, I, re- I really do respect my peers in this game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wouldn't, there's certain things that I, I, I feel like if I got something to say, I said to your face. Right. I ain't got to get on a record and say Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time for the AM Cafe Morning Show. Underground Master Yo, D, what's up? Just chilling, man, what's up? Get him ghetto boys a ring, man. Hold him down. Ghetto boys. Hey. What's up, Jay? Yeah, man, I got Willie D on the other end. What's up, Will? What's up now? What's up, fellas? No. Say, fellas, I've been kicking a few lyrics in the back of my mind, man. And I'm tired of motherfuckers disrespecting us because we're black-owned and won't sell out. So check this out. We need to get together and go to that other level of the game and do it like a geo. Just to rewind the tape a little bit, uh, 
your first album with the Ghetto Boys? What was that 1989? Your first was that because you yeah. did three. You did three albums as part of the Ghetto Boys, right? Is that correct? Was it three More albums with the Ghetto I Boys? Think like one, two, three, four. Because it was five. it was uh, Grip It, right? Um, yeah. And it was the self. It was Ghetto Boys, and then it was uh, we uh, the joint that had uh, my mind playing tricks on me, right? Right. Um, and that was 1991. So I did like five or six albums. Right. So you did yeah. five or six as part of the Ghetto Boys. Yeah. What was the turning point for you to decide you didn't want to be in the Ghetto Boys anymore? Like, how, what, what led to that? The turning point was before I became a Ghetto Boy. Mm. I never wanted to be in a group. You just always you want to be solo. I off always the rip. wanted to be a solo artist, right? Because I knew the complications that came with being in, in a group. group. I knew it from watching all of the movies. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, watching the five heartbeats. <laughs> you know, I knew it from watching like all of the movies and hearing all of the stories, the legendary stories throughout the years about groups and how it's always that one dude at mm-hmm. least. You always mm-hmm. got at least one dude mm-hmm. who just be tripping, right? And ain't gonna make sure shit right, you right? Know? So I was like, I don't want to be a part of something like that because I know if I get out on something I'm going to be serious about it and if I do it I want to take it all away I don't want to just do it and get off of it I want to do it and create a legacy Right. I don't want to just do it I mm-hmm. want to do it and try to be the best possible I want people to say my name you know when they start talking about who the greatest is right. who, who who's the best to ever do it I want my name to be mentioned Right. you know so I I never wanted to be in a group I, I became a ghetto boy member as a favor to Lil J. Okay. Everybody know today is J Prince. J right? Prince. But I, I became a I became a that I did that as a favor to Jay. Jay was like, I signed on as a solo artist. And he So was, you signed on to the label as a solo artist. I signed artist. on as a solo artist. At yeah. Rap A Lot. At Rap A Lot. Right. Yeah. And see, they already had uh a version of the Ghetto Boys already. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was Jukebox, Ready Red, and Prince Johnny C. They were the Ghetto Boys. Bushwick was on the cover of that album, the Making Trouble album. Right. But he wasn't mm-hmm. an official member. He wasn't contracted. Uh-huh. He was just... You know, Work for hire, <laughs> hanging out, whatever that <laughs> I is. I just remember him in like a you know? trench coat. I was like, who's the little guy in the trench coat? Yeah. <laughs> Bill was gangster as hell, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, he was definitely gangster. So, so... Did you know him prior to... Did you know him personally? <laughs> Uh-oh. I knew Bill because me and Bill got into it. Before I signed the rap, how the line. hell did you get into it with with him? You know, well, let me finish this one and then let's come back to that, please. So, I Jay come to me and was like, "Hey man, I want you to write some songs for this new Ghetto Boys album." Mm-hmm. So I wrote "Let a Ho Be a Ho" and "Do It Like a Geo." The whole song, yeah. Okay, I wrote those songs so. Jay was like, yeah, I, I'm digging this. I like this. And everybody around him liked it. Mm-hmm. So he went to the dudes in the group. He went to the guys. He was like, look, man, this is the direction I want to go with the group. You know, y'all y'all can do it. Or not. Or go solo. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is the direction I'm going to take the group. Prince Johnny C was married at the time. He didn't want to be rapping on Let a Ho Be a Ho. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, Jukebox, who was going to be still in the group as an MC, had some personal issues. He actually sh- went to the studio with us on the first day to record the album, but he quit the, like the second day mm-hmm. in the studio. He quit because his wife, his girl told him he needed to get a real job. Okay. He quit. So when we hooked up, when, when, when Jay asked me, first of all, he asked me to be a member and I said, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know he asked a few more times and I was like nope and then he was like do it for me uh, <laughs> and that's what did it like man I'm gonna say no I, you know, exactly you right know, man you know one thing Jay don't like it when I say this but Jay is very manipulative uh-huh. you know he can get his way he don't like to say he don't like when I say manipulative right (laughs) you know I guess it's a negative connotation that goes with that a little bit 
But I looked at it in a way like, I think, what, what's that word he like to say? Uh, he like to use persuasive or something like that. I can't remember. But whatever it was, you know, the bottom line was that that he knows how to put words I, together to get what he wants. To get what he wants, right. Okay? So that's the bottom line. Yeah. So I was like, man, how can I refuse a dude that's investing in my future? Right. My, investing in my dream. I want to be a rapper. Right. He going to put the money up. Yeah. I can't turn that down. Like right. When he said it like that, I was like, It's like, damn, all right, all right. Yeah, I'll do it, right? <laughs> right. And so that's why I became a ghetto. That's why I joined the group. So then he was like, I got this. He was like, man, I got this dude uh, from the South Side named DJ Action, who y'all know today as Scarface. Right. He was like, I got this dude named DJ Action on the South Side, man. So I'm was like, Scarface was a DJ originally? He started off as a DJ. Okay. Yeah, but he was rapping. Right. Too. Had you heard of him prior no, to no, that? No. No. So he was like, I got this dude named DJ Action on the South Side, and I want to put y'all, 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 I want y'all to be them new ghetto boys, you, Action, and Jukebox. So it was going to be us three as the rappers, the new, for the, for the revamp group. Of the ghetto boys. They are the, the, the day that we went to start recording the album is the day I met Brad. Wow. So Jay come pick me up in the van. He picked me up in the Astro van. <laughs> and he picks me up. And in the van is Brad Beto, who was his producer. Ready Red is in the van. Bushwick Bill is in the van. Jukebox is in the van. And we rolling out to Jay's ranch to record the record. And that was the first day that I met Brad. And we get to the studio. How was how was that drive? What was that conversation like with everybody for the first time in the Astro van? Uh it wasn't, I mean like we we street dudes, so it ain't no big shit, you know, like it's like we feel we on a mission, you know. It wasn't a bunch of it wasn't like we were going to Disneyland. Right. <laughs> it was like, man, we finna go and, and do what we got to do. Yeah. Make this record and get this money. Right. That's what the mentality was. So I don't recall a whole bunch of chatter. Okay. You know, uh, it was just like getting the car. What's up, what? man? Okay. That, that's, that's action. You know, that's Beto. Yeah. yeah. What's up? What's up, Red? You know, I knew Red. I knew Bill. Right. You know, what's up? What's up? And we, we off. Right. You know, so we get in. Jukebox, in fact, Jukebox quit. I think Jukebox, it probably was, it was probably, the, it was either the first day or the second day was when Jukebox quit. But he quit, and Bill was sitting around the studio drinking 40 ounces, like rapping Public Enemy songs. Yes, the Rebel, the Rebel. Without a pause, I'm lowering my level. And I looked at him, and a light came on. I was like, man, let's put Bill in the group. Let's make Bill the third ghetto boy, the rapper. Right. So everybody started laughing. Right. You know, I, I do a little joking and shit from time to time. So they was laughing. I was like, "Now nah, you see how y'all just reacted? That's how the world going to react. react. Right. Mm. I say, but the difference going to be is that I'm going to write Bill some gangsta ass shit. He going to be the coldest motherfucker and they going to respect it. Right. I say, I'm going to write him some real cold shit and they going to respect it. And I, uh, Jay was like, what you think, Bill? And Bill was like, I don't know. I can try. <laughs> <laughs> so I took Bill downstairs to Jay's, uh, to the kitchen in the breakfast area. We sat at the table, the breakfast table. We sat there, and I asked him some personal questions about himself. And I embellished it with what I thought it might be like to walk in his shoes. Mm. And I came up with Size Ain't Shit. Right. Wow. And I wrote that song in about 30 minutes. And in about three days, Bill recorded it and he nailed it. Mm. And that's how Bushwick Bill became a rapper. Wow. That's how he became a rapper. That's how he became a ghetto boy. Official member. So, a quick question. Now, at that point, how long had you been writing songs? Uh... Man, I started actually writing songs when I was like, shit, like 10 years old, but like raps, 15. So from that, so at that point, I had been writing for about maybe seven years, okay. six, six years. And had you written for other artists prior to that? Uh, did, I, did I write for anybody before that? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, when we, when I first started, one of my real good friends, uh, you know, we would go out and compete in rap contests and stuff. So I would write his parts, and you know, but it was not nowhere near on the level that I was writing for Bill. Right. Like, like I went in, I was on some historical shit with Bill. Like I was like, I want to make lyrics that's gonna live. That's right. Like, like that was always my thing. Like to make music. Not make hits. Like, I never tried to go in the studio and make hits. Everybody, people, people come in the studio be like, man, that's a hit, that's a hit. Like, man, you know, mm-hmm. that shit, you know. Because I understand the politics of hits and stuff. And, you know, you got to, hits are determined by record sales. Right. Radio spins and all that shit. I'm like, man, I just want to make music that's going to be around forever. That's gonna I want to make legendary. a classic. I want to make classics. So, if I'm talking about that damn clock okay let's say clock the name of the song is fucking you know clock man I'm finna make the coldest clock song (laughs) I'm just finna go in on this motherfucker everything that it take to make that clock tick and everything associated with clocks and time I am going to put in that fucking rhyme and it's gonna be almost like I'm not gonna leave any wiggle room for anybody else to say anything else about that clock. And not about that clock, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I am finna dissect that motherfucker, right? <laughs> That's what I do. I go in and like my idea is to make a classic, something, something that you will never forget. That's why, even though I may not have like the most stellar, well, I not may not, but I don't. I don't have the most stellar solo career or anything like that. And a lot of times, you know, people don't even say my name when they do speak of the greats, right? But they know my songs. Mm-hmm. They know my words. They know my lyrics. They mm-hmm. know my quotes. Right. Like, I'm one of the most quoted hip-hop artists ever. Mm-hmm. Quoted. I'm talking about quotes. The shit that live. <laughs> like, I'm talking about, like, years later, motherfuckers be quoting it. Yeah. Like, right now, you know, there's a lot of artists, people sang their songs. They sang the rap. They go to the room. Mm-hmm. They sang it. But they're not quoting it in their everyday life. Right. You know, I'm talking about everyday life situations. These, This is shit people... When things happen in your life, you pull out a Willie D quote. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Right. There ain't a lot of artists out there that's got that. And I'm talking about the ones who got millions and millions and millions and millions of sales mm. ain't got my quotes. Right. Um. So, you write that for Bill. Did you then, once you saw that he was able to deliver your words did you continue to write for him or yeah. was there ever the whole time did he ever start writing for himself or no you, no bill never wrote never wrote never he never wrote one song for ghetto boy i wrote most of it and, and brad wrote the rest and and, and well not the rest but brad wrote it was me then brad and wrote then, his right wrote his and stuff then, and then as far as ghetto boy yeah now nah, his solo i don't know who the fuck was right <laughs> the solo stuff i don't know who wrote what nope. for solo but they have like, get, for the ghetto, ghetto boys, boys yeah. it was myself it was brad and then some other artists wrote a song here a song there for him right that's how it went wow but i i would say like you know ghetto boys i wrote probably you know shit probably 70, 80% of everything came out of his head, out of his, his mouth, mouth, came mm. out of my head. Couple questions in regards to that. First, what did you think of Scarface when you first heard him rap? He was dope. That I, was he, it. He that was, was just, it. Just I, dope. Yeah, he was dope. Right. I, I didn't I didn't think like, you know, this is the greatest rapper ever, you know, uh-huh. living, you know, you know, it like, wasn't like that. Right. It was just like he dope. He dope. You know? He dope. And and I was like, we gonna make a good team, right? <laughs> yeah. um, on the business side, so now when we're talking about your writing and publishing, and did you understand the publishing game that you and did you get the amount of money that you should have as a writer yeah, on the publishing side? Not in the beginning. Now I didn't understand in the beginning. And if I had understood in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have got signed because. Yeah. You know, here, and that's that's in, that's that's it's very important that anybody out there aspiring artists hear what I got to say right now. Speaking you know, on. sometimes people get in these situations where you know it's important that you understand the business, but it's also important that you understand your value, your current market value. If you never sold a record, your market value ain't, ain't shit. nothing. You know, okay, let's start <laughs> like nothing. that. Right. Now, you can get emotional and say I'm the greatest ever and all that, and that's beautiful. You may be. But 
the thing is that it's it's very hard for you to put a price on something that you ain't never and you ain't never sold nothing, right? right? So sometimes people get in these situations where they feel like, man, I ain't let nobody fuck me. Ain't nobody gonna fuck me. Nah, that's a bad deal. That's a bad deal. I ain't gonna do that. Do, do, do. And they have that type of mentality. So in their quest to not allow anybody to fuck them, they end up fucking but themselves. themselves. Uh-huh. They don't get no deal. You know, they, they burn, they just kill the whole thing because right. hey, they so paranoid, they gonna get fucked. And at that point, you don't really know what your value is. You really don't know what your value is. And like, you know, for me, you know, it was a shitty contract, mm-hmm. you know, it was a shitty contract, but I signed it and I agreed to the terms and, you know, I took it to a lawyer. The lawyer told me it was a standard contract. Wow. I thought standard was good. Right. It's standard. I'm not even going to meet the standards. <laughs> I ain't thinking this motherfucker just a regular ass contract. This is what you start off with, you know? So I, I jump out there and I do, I do the deal. Now, the idea is this, like with contracts and shit, right? Like, once you establish yourself and now you somebody can look at the numbers and say, this guy wrote this, he wrote this, he wrote this, I made this kind of money. And, you know, based on that shit, man, I'm willing to do something. Right. You, I'm willing to give you a little more. I know, you know. And, and look, man, you can't be mad about companies when a company gives you a contract and it favors the comp- company heavily. Yeah. You can't be mad because every company is a business. Absolutely. And Every single business, uh, their goal is the bottom line. You're in business to make as much money as you can for yourself as <laughs> right. you can, <laughs> right. not for everybody else. Yeah, it, I don't give a fuck who the employees are. You know, nobody complains about McDonald's paying people minimum wage all over the world. They pay people minimum wage, and nobody says shit about it. They joke about it, but they never look at McDonald's as a villain. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but. You know, let some rap executive, uh, you know, any pretty much any black person really pay somebody minimum wage. Oh, he's a crook. Mm-hmm. He's a crook. Watch out for him. Right. Watch out. You better watch out. <laughs> you know, like I never not I've never not respected Don King until recently. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at him as a businessman and he's doing what he's supposed to do as a businessman. And he ain't doing no, no different than all these other cats because I know a lot of executives in boxing. You know, that's my sport. Right. And I know a lot of people in boxing and they all do it and they do worse. And they've made a lot of fighters haven't made a fraction of the money uh, with these other promoters as they have made with Don, Don King. King. Mm-hmm. Now, did Don King give them everything they think they deserve? Man, nobody really gets everything they they, they, they think they deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. So my thing is that, like, you know, yeah, you know. Ali had a $5 million payday with him, and I think Ali ended up with $2 million, you, know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? But he had never made $2 million to before, that right. in his life. He had never made a million dollars before, mm-hmm. before he fought, before Don King put him on. Right. But they made him the villain. So I never had this disdain for Don King like a lot of people have throughout the years until he started cooning over there with mm. Trump and stuff. Now, mm. when he started doing that, I was like, he, I lost all respect for him. You know, it's no coming back from that. Like, once you sell my people out, like, once you throw my people under the bus, once I know that you don't like black people, like, you really hate black people, right. and you're doing things that are detriment to, for us uh, overall, then I, I, ain't, I ain't got nothing for you. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you can't come back from that. Like, Stephen A. can't come back. Mm. Charles Barkley, he been doing a lot of back, back butt <laughs> dancing lately. You know, like trying to get off. He's been trying to. He's been trying to back up. He can't come back. So wow, he's, now he's too now, far gone. He can't come back. Now Willie's going to a whole nother level. Taking away uh, black cards. Now, <laughs> right, taking away black cards. It's funny because I had this conversation with Corey Holcomb, comedian, my dude, and Corey Holcomb, my dude, maybe about two weeks ago, and Corey Holcomb was talking about his issues with Stephen A. Smith. So I watch First Take every single morning. My TV stays on ESPN. And I say to Corey, I was like, well, I have on many occasions heard Stephen A. Smith speak up for black men. So I was trying to like, what was what was the actual problem or what was the quote that you heard that you felt like Stephen A. Smith was uh, 
out of line? Okay. Or what did he say that made you feel that way? It wasn't it wasn't one particular thing. It's 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 a pattern. Okay. Okay, here's the pattern. White guy does something. Yeah, 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 you know, that's such that's such. And there's no really passion behind it when white guys make you know uh have these grievances or they they uh have infractions, right? Uh, they they have missteps. They they do something bad. There's never this 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 anger and this passion that he has. You know when he go in on black people. Right now, when it, when it's black people, he's very very uh, very aggressive in his criticism. Like for instance, one of the biggest things that he did is like when Ray Rice. You know, uh, put his hands on that girl, right? Mm-hmm. And, In the elevator, and and he said, "Well, you know, women, you know, you know, y'all gotta, you know, y'all gotta take some responsibility, you know, for how you react to men and deal with men and whatever." And the women went crazy on him. One of them women who worked at, at ESPN, in particular, got on Twitter and called him out. That's his coworker called him out publicly on Twitter. That is totally against the rules. That's against ESPN policy. Right. That's against their workplace policy. But she called him out on Twitter. Right. She was wrong. He might have been, he may have uh, spoken out of turn, but she was double wrong for uh, taking in-house. Uh, publicly. Ta- ta- right, ta- public. Taking in-house information public. Right. She was dead wrong. Right. And for airing him out in public. But did she get, uh, did she get reprimanded? No. It was him that got reprimanded. He got a two-week suspension. Them white folks allowed Stephen A to clown black folks for years, and they never punished him, not one time. The minute the white girl stood up and said, I got a problem with this fool. They suspended him. They suspended him just like that. And not only only did he uh, accept the the suspension, but he came back with his tail tucked, and he— he basically was like begging for forgiveness. Right. And I'm sorry. And he never to this point have done that for black any black guy that he criticized. I haven't seen him do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really was really apologetic. He right. wasn't sincere, but right. he was very apologetic. Right. And so he went on with the dog and pony show. So I'm saying this. Like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna at any point, if if you're gonna be that stand-up dude that I thought he was, because mm-hmm. I was a fan at first, too. I'm right. like, ooh, I like this brother. Tell it like it is, bro. Right. <laughs> I like that, bro. Like, yeah, right. yeah, brother, right. man. Tell it like it is. Yeah, he ain't, that boy, that articulate. You know, he's sharp. You know what I'm saying? And he, he say what it is. I just always thought he was just really, really honest. Yeah. But I started studying him, and I started seeing that pattern. And once I see that pattern, it doesn't matter how much I'm pulling for you. I got to call you what you are. Get your morning started the right way with the AM Caffeine Morning Show. Here I go again, another brawl, a conflict. Somebody finna get the ass kicked. If you ain't down with the ghetto boys, get your happy ass out of Dodge. The rumors you heard ain't slander. Willie D don't give a fuck about a goddamn bystander. So when you see me, clutch my fist. Get out the way I get T-Roll, bitch. I'm inclined to physically whip your ass. But if you want to blast, make a motherfucking motion like you want to reach, and you're going to have a damn funeral next week. From the hardest to the softest, for me to beat a nigga down is a day at the office. See, my appearance is so damn fly, it makes them say, hmm, he's a nice guy. So a nigga try to play me like a hoe. Uh-oh, oh shit, damn, that's a no-no. I get dead on his ass, and when I'm striking, he better not fall, or I'm going to make his ass read these nights. Trademark upside his 
I usually leave the whole motherfucking logo. I don't give a fuck who you hang with, trick. Friends ain't shit when you're getting your ass kicked. But if your buddies wanna get in my mix, chop chop. Yeah, bitch. It ain't nothing but a meal for Molly. Every sucker motherfucker is a casualty. I kick ass. You won't ever diss. Look at the bottom of my goddamn shoe print. What motherfuckers that donated blood to the kid? Now do you wanna make a bid? I didn't think so, cause I'd have your ass screaming just like a damn hoe. When I hit you in your goddamn mouth and show you what a real nigga's all about. When I dispose of your ass like waste and nothing but my shoe is in your motherfucking face, you read these Nikes. Alright, so question in re- when you're in a structure like that, a big company, yeah. ESPN, Disney, whatever it is, and don't you feel that you, even though you have you, you have principles and you have to stand up for what it is you believe, but there is a certain way that you still got to operate because you can't just go in there. I mean, you can, but you may lose your job if you go in there and you articulate your way in a way that maybe is a, they don't want to hear or it's against uh not company company policy, but you may, you know, if you see an injustice, there's still a certain way that you have to articulate that. That's you true. can't just come in there on some young white people. No, no, that, <laughs> right? no, 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 that's true. But that's true. But if you want, but if you're going to be aggressive, if you want to take somebody down, man, don't take us down. We've been, we've been injured enough. Right. You know I, I agree with that. You know, Absolutely. We, we've suffered yeah. enough. You I know, agree. We got enough enemies. You know, it really is us against the world, man. Right. For real. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody And especially it. now listen, with man, this administration. Listen, man, so I, yeah. listen, man. Let's be honest, man. I hate to say this. I got a set, I got an 18-year-old son, right? I got a raise. And I got to tell him the hard truth. And he got a lot of white friends that he grew up around and he went to school with. And they still friends to this day. But I got to tell him, they're going to treat you different. You know what I'm saying? They, these people look at you differently, you know? And they hate us. We we are the most hated people on the planet for for no for no reason of, of our own. I agree. We ain't do a motherfucking thing to earn it. <laughs> right. <I agree. laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but they've have figured out a way to make the fucking world hate us. So all over the world, it's people that fucking literally hate us who have never had any experiences with us. That's the craziest they just, thing. Because when just you look, look at, at that television and yeah. say, "Oh, this," you know, and then the crazy thing about it, I've been all over the world. So when I go places and people. Get around me for a few minutes. And you're like, this just, is not what we it's thought. It's just a few minutes. Yeah. Just, you know, I ain't talking about days and months and shit. I'm talking about just a few minutes. They'd be like, oh, wow. We man. thought you were something. We thought you were something yeah. else. Damn. So you're not a savage. You're not going to steal my purse, right? Right. You're not going to kill me. You're not going to stab me. You're not going <laughs> to, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to run up in my house. Now, I'm watching now, motherfucker. I'm watching you. Make sure you don't run up in mm-hmm. my house. Right. You know, like, so we 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 have enough enemies, man. Mm-hmm. We already have enough enemies. So if you're not helping us, you're hurting us. And that's just what it is, man. And I, I have no love for that dude. I have no love for, for people like Charles Barkley who go hard on black people but give everybody else a pass. Mm-hmm. He's very mm-hmm. easy. They're very light. In fact, they are hitmen for white supremacy. See, they say the things that the executives at Fox and ESPN and Turner, the people at TNT can't say. Mm-hmm. The executives, trust me, they want to say that's the what, same or, or thing. Maybe that's what they're thinking. They want to say the same thing, but they say, you know what? I'll get the black guy to say it, and then that way the message gets out, and then we still get the black folks' money, and we talk about them like shit. We still get their money, and the black guy is saying it, and that, that'll that keep, keep up enough confusion where they won't say that we're racist, because, hey, we're hiring a black guy, and we're paying him. We can't be racist. But we're you're paying him to put a hit piece out on black folks every day. Right. So he putting hit pieces out on the black folks every day. And he ain't the only one. They got some female new sportscasters over there, too, doing the same thing. Over at ESPN. ESPN. So uh, Carrie Champion is over there? Uh, same thing. Uh <laughs> Okay. I thought it was the other chick that was like that. Oh, I like us. Uh, I like. I like. I like. Steel, say steel. Say steel. Black community. Jamil Hill. Pay attention. Jamil Hill. Pay attention. Yeah, Jamil Hill. Yeah. Yeah. But now Jamil Hill did get in trouble. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, man. For speaking up, right? Jamil Hill did get in trouble for speaking up when she went on speaking up about what. 
What was that that she spoke about? Uh, she was suspended for like two she weeks. Called Jerry Trump. Jones. She called Trump out. She uh, called Trump right. Was against the president. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, on that, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But, but when did she get suspended or reprimanded for for, for for speaking down on black men? Never. Has never happened. Nobody gets suspended for speaking down on black men. Okay, I hear you. So again, mm-hmm. we're already like. Getting smashed everywhere we go, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. every turn we getting hit. Like we some fighting motherfuckers, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and we still got to deal with these people. These people that and look, man, I didn't want to not like Jamil Hill. I, in fact, at the gate, I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. In fact, it was people talking about her bad before I ever said anything. Before I ever spoke. Any any type of ill on her or whatever, I was like, I was wondering, man, what these dudes talking about? One thing I don't, I try to avoid is messy shit, so right. I don't want. Oh, they she said that I don't, I ain't the dude. That, well, she said this, so I'm I'm not the dude who who be on YouTube and you see the title, uh, such such says such such ain't nothing, and such such said you better pay. Up and you just run with that. I don't that. look at that shit. Right. I don't click on them type of videos. Right. Like, that don't interest me. Yeah. So a lot of stuff that go on when people are bickering. And they have these beefs and stuff like that. I don't even know about unless it's just blasted in my face and somebody just put it right in my face. I won't even know about it. And a lot of times I still don't even react to it. Mm -hmm. But when you attack black men, when you attack us, especially when I'm out here championing championing your cause, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I, I champion, I ride for black women. I ain't no Captain Save a Ho by no means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I ride for black women for real. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like for real, real, I ride for them. So, you know, I, I just expect the same thing in return. But I think that we all need to ride for each other. Indeed. Because we all we got for real, man, is like, and it's like the dudes, the black dudes out there that be trying to shit on the black women and saying, oh, black women ain't shit, but they look these these injured, emotionally hurt motherfuckers. You know, they 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 need they need more than a hug. They need to be drugged. You know what I'm saying? So these dudes, they they don't they think they're smart when they go out and they talk about black women. They think they look smart. They think it makes them look intelligent. And oh, I don't date. I don't fuck with black women. And this is that, that. They think it makes them look smart, but they really look stupid. They have no idea how stupid they look. The hate, the essence in which you come from. Come from, absolutely. You, nigga, you got to be the most retarded motherfucker <laughs> right. that ever lived. But you got dudes out there that say stupid shit like that, right? And you got stupid ass black women out there who say stupid shit about black men. Like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Go down, look at your roots. Check out your roots. Oh, and you got a black son, but you hate black men. So how can you raise love, that how boy? Can you, right, what right. You how can you give love him? your son? Right. How can you give him something you ain't got? You ain't got love for black males. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't got love for black men. So how can you raise him to be a black man mm-hmm. when you hate black men? And a black man You're going to raise him to be something else. Right. You're going to try to raise him to be something he is not. And that's why you got a lot of these little boys running around here acting like they mamas. Because mm. <laughs> she hate black men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's going to try to raise him to be something else. Right. I'd rather you be like me. <laughs> you know, a I lot mean, of them would rather see their son. That's true. A lot of them would rather see their son be have all, be 1,000% uh, effeminate than to be a man and stand up for himself. AM Caffeine Morning Show. Hey, did your mama tell you to shut up when grown folks is talking? Well, you need to shut up when grown folks talk. Yo, we don't play that. You know what I'm saying? So you need to go in there and play with your mom. Really, J. The gangster love is on the go once more. I've been so low two in a row. Still got a bank full of money. Fancy cars, a big crib, and freaks on my nuts. Right. But some of you fools counting me out. I'm giving my real fans a big fat shout out. Yeah. Magazine dissing my records. I go to New York and kick them fools back to Texas <laughs> and write a song about it. Get better life. Scary little punks probably give your boy 20 mics. I'm more dangerous than Jeffrey Dahmer. You want to play with somebody, play with your mama, punk. 
on before you get peed on. You tell them. Play with your mom. Yeah. What's up, Grizz? It don't stop. It don't stop. Yeah. Cause we won't stop. Warriors. Come on and play with your gay ass badass. You can't shoot them up with the Wild West. And I hope ya. Pistola. Brownish Coca-Cola. Coming from the shoulders with the one, two, bang, ping. Make your ears ring. With the supernatural really intrigued just in regards to um your business you know the savviness of what you know business wise outside of music Mm -hmm. um where are you now in other things that you have going on outside of the music you know are you still driven to do music right now like do you still have the drive to do that you know you was talking about that and I'm going to tell you, what's crazy, man, is that I got so much art in me. Like, creatively, like, I can write any kind of song. Like, I'm really, I got a lot of range when it comes to writing. You know, I can write about relationships. You know, I can write about the street life. I can write about politics. You know, I'm, I'm, I can write about mental health. You know, I, I've I've really like I know a whole lot of people and I've experienced a lot of things and and I read a lot of books right so and I do a lot of reading right so I got a lot to say but it's like the way the game is the way music is the politics of the game is like it really does beat you fucking down right man. it makes you just like man you know like like if if it was not for the politics man I man I. I probably have 40 rec- forty albums out right now, and I only have like six. But I love music. I love I love writing. It's a great escape. I could do it, really, really do it. But I don't do it because I don't like the idea of making great music and it not being heard. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not that dude that you want to just make the music. Well, I'm just going to make it, and I don't care if it gets heard. And No, nah, I'm not that dude. Then it costs money to make music. Right. So I ain't in the just fucking just spending money. That's not a hobby to me. <laughs> Music is not a hobby to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a way of life. You know, so uh, it does it does take away a lot of the passion for me, the politics of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish it wasn't like that, man. Because, I mean, even, even the Ghetto Boys, the catalog would be so much deeper. Like, I know for a fact I'm a beast right now. I'm in beast mode. I'm finna... I got Coon 3 finna come out in a minute. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, so, you know, <laughs> I'm in beast mode, and I know Brad hit, Brad actually hit me up a couple of days ago. He said he want to get back in the studio and do an album. But, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Whoa. so who knows? Because he's out here. Um, yeah. I think he was just on tour, and he was touring with, like, yeah, a live a show. Uh, like, last week. Yeah, with a live band. And yeah. Are you... Will, do you do a lot of performing still? Nah. Not at all? Nah. You don't, Do you miss that? Do you miss... Okay, we understand the writing aspect, but do you miss on stage with the mic in your hand? Yeah. Thousands of folks, you do miss that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm sure that you, do Do you get, like, I'm sure folks hit you up to perform and you just don't want to yeah. do it? Yeah, or, I mean, it just depends on what it is. What it like, is. When, they, when they, when somebody call me up and say they want, they want to do a show and they talking about, like, man, you know, why don't you come to, why don't you come to Alabama? I ain't going to Alabama. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to Alabama. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, you know, the people in that in that state, you know, I feel like they, they're so far behind, man. Mm-hmm. They're just stuck. Right. You know, it's like, 
It's like a whole bunch of Donald Trump's relatives live in that motherfucker. Uh-huh. So why go? Why right. go there? Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. I'm just not going. Right. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So it just depends on what it is. Okay. You know, I I like to be comfortable when I move around. I'm not a diva by no means. Like on my rider, you know, my rider is real simple. It's not like only green M&Ms. And, nah. You know, <laughs> my, my, ride is, my ride is real simple. You know, uh, a hotel, you, you know, five-star hotel, you know, uh, first-class flight, uh, and give me my money. Right. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? That's it. Man, I'm cool. Right. Like, like, I don't need all that extra stuff. I don't. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm finna go in here. I'm not going to get a promoter any problems. You know, we gonna be on time. <laughs> you know, get on that stage on time. You ain't gotta be looking for me. You ain't gotta come find me. I'm gonna find you. Right. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna get up there and take care of my business and get on up there. So I'm gonna make sure, and I'm gonna get these people their money's worth because I know they ain't seen a good show in a long time. Right. So I'm gonna give it to them. So there's a possibility, maybe, of you and Scarface getting back in the studio. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and if it happens, it's going to be, like, ridiculous because he still, you know, I don't even want to say still got it. It's like he never, never yeah, not yeah, even a question. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, like, so he got it. I got it. You know, we always had it. And, like, and, and one thing about us, like, man, it don't matter how much time passed. Man, this is, like, magic. When we get in the studio, it's like, I mean, it just turn on. It's like, bam. It's like, we've been knocking them out. we like... Damn boy, you dope boy. Right. Yeah, you dope, boy. Damn boy, you said that. You know, they'd be like that. Be like, right. It's like that, dog. Wow. Like, and I mean, it's, it's easy. It's like an easy thing. It's like that, that. That shit. That shit be that music be coming out, man. Right. Yeah. When you were um doing your solo stuff, and you were on Itchy Bond, right? Was that Itchy Bond? Was that the no, label? No, no, they were distributing me. I was on my own. Label. You were on your own label, distributed Wise by Itchy Bond. Yeah, wise up. Um, so when you were doing a lot of your solo solo stuff, you were still, how was your relationship still with the guys in Ghetto Boys? You, it was always cool. Nah. No, it wasn't. Nah, when I was doing my, 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 my solo stuff, when I left, when I first left, yeah. nah, it wasn't always cool, but but me and me and Brad got back cool, okay, faster than anybody else, right? So in fact, it was a chance encounter at the studio. Really, me and him had been using the same studio, and we ran into each other at the studio. He was like, "Man, Willie, let's put this shit back together, man." And uh, I was like, "Man." Stop playing. <laughs> you know, because his ass will be, his nigga will shoot you a blank. Right. <laughs> I was like, stop playing, man. He's like, how oh, Willie, how Willie, you crazy. Right, right. <laughs> nah, let's do it. I'm serious, man. Let's do this shit, man. Let's do it. And I would say, well, shit, man, shit. All right, well, shit. All right. He was like, man, well, I'm going to holler at Jay, man, and see what's up. So he hit me back, and he was like, man, Jay want to do it, man. He want to we want to talk to you. So we set up a meeting and uh, you know, I went over to the compound and we sat down, man, and settled our differences like men. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, if that does happen, where's uh where's little Bushwick? Where's Bushwick Bill? Bill around, man. You know, Bill Bill is Bill Bill will be there. Okay. Know? Like Bill down. Right. Down, right. You know. That would be so monumental right now. I mean, we need it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Tribe, when you know Tribe got back together, mm-hmm. you know, when they did that last album. And and I just think just the respect that the hip hop rap community has for Ghetto Boys is, um, that would be so dope if you we know, could get you, that you, back you know, together. You it's, know, it's, it's, it's real cool to hear you say that, man, because. I don't think if we wouldn't have put in the work that we put in, it wouldn't you wouldn't be saying that. So yeah, it's like that's why it was important to me to rap like I got a like I had a gun to my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like motherfucker, you better say some dope shit and <laughs> kill your ass right now. You know, like that's how I rap. Like, like right. I rap like I got a gun to my head. I like, know. I hear know? it. I be like, yeah. Yo, Willie is very yeah. mad. It's like. 
Cause the thing is, it's like you know, you make this music, man. Like you never, you never get a t- second chance to make a first impression, right? True. So it's like, so you got that, and then it's like people can easily forget about you. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. So you got that dichotomy working at all times when you're trying to make music, and so that's why it's important to to go in there like this is my last song that I ever make. This, do. this could mm-hmm. be the last recording that anybody ever hears from me. I got to make it count. So that's how I go in. Right. Every single song. Right. Every, I don't care if it's a guest appearance. Some people like to take breaks on people, other people's records. You try to get them. I don't. Right. I don't take no breaks. Right. I go in. Right. AM Caffeine Show, Willie D in the damn building, dude. Legend. Um... Willie's out here in L.A. making some moves that, I, you know, obviously he can't really tell us too much, but he's just out here getting some business done. Some business. Some business. Yeah. How often do you come to L.A., Willie? You know, what's funny is that my sister was living here a couple years ago, and I used to come out here frequently. But I had after she moved, I stopped coming out here. So I hadn't been out here in two years up until November of last year. Okay. So I came, like, I came for my birthday. Uh, my birthday weekend. When's your birthday? November first. Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio. That's my, fa- that's my father's birthday. We're all yeah. bur- we're all Scorpios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Real talk. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was here for uh, the uh, Growlers Festival. Ghetto Boys performed in Long Beach. Wow. I, yeah. How did I miss uh, that? How did I yeah. miss that? One? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we had a show, man. We we put it together, man, and it was. It, I know that was it, crazy. It was crazy, man, because everybody went to work. Bill had a, a stellar night. <laughs> <laughs> it's always cool to see Bill go into his, like when Bill really get wired up, it's really like on, you know. Yeah. It'd be really on. He was wired. Right. That night. That night. Right. Yeah, man. Smoke D, legendary interview right here with you. Uh, tune in once again to AM Caffeine Show on Friday. Portia Coleman will be back. You know how we get down? Go to amcaffeine.com, amcaffeine.com, and you can see all the stations that the AM Caffeine show is being carried on, all right? You guys enjoy your day. Once again, Willie D, thank you Willie so much. D. Open door policy. Anytime you want to drop science, sure. come through and hang with us, man. But he sure. gave us some, not music history, but he gave us some lessons. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That, that, that's what the OGs do, though. That's what they do. AM Caffeine show. You guys enjoy your day. We out here. Young Free. Class is missed. It's time to get into them coins, boy. Yes, L- sir. Let's put it together. Yes, sir. AM Caffeine Show. I sit alone in my four-cornered room staring at candles. Well, that shit is on. <laughs> Let me drop some shit like this here. Yes. At night I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Four walls just staring at a nigga. I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger. My mother's always stressing I ain't living right. But I ain't going out without a fight. See, every time my eyes close, I start sweating and blood starts coming out my nose. It's somebody watching the act. But I don't know who it is, so I'm watching my back. I can see him when I'm deep in the covers. When I awake, I don't see the motherfucker. He owns a black hat like I own. A black suit and a cane like my own Some might say take a chill B But fuck that shit There's a nigga trying to kill me I'm popping in the clip when the wind blows Every 20 seconds got me peeping out my window Investigating a joint for traps Taking my telephone for text I'm staring at the woman on the corner It's fucked up when your mind's playing tricks on ya Crazy senior citizens. I live by the swamp. 
I take my boys everywhere I go because I'm paranoid. I keep looking over my shoulder and peeping around corners. My mind is playing tricks on me. 